And these things, you can start today, using these today, communication in your marriage will improve. And the first is think about your tone. In Proverbs Mm -hmm. 15, a gentle response turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. There you go. You can't untoast the toast. You can't say unsay the words. We referenced that Rough Ruffman show there because Brian could be rocking out with drumsticks with you can't, you can't untoast, untoast the toast. See, that just happened. You may be one choice away from a thriving marriage. Welcome to the Operation Thriving Marriage Podcast with Brian and Jennifer Hartman. So today we're in part two of a two-part series about communication. If you missed our first part that talked about listening, go back an episode. But today we're going to be talking about the communication part of speaking because communication is always, always the most common issue that I see with couples that we're coaching. And we've had many couples come to us recently and they love each other, they care about each other, they want their marriage to work, but their disconnect is in the communication. And last week we talked, or last two weeks ago, we talked about uh, listening. And that really, I mean, when I think about it, when I think about the sermons that I've heard, when I think about the books that I've read about interpersonal communication and stuff, it seems like that's the, that's the stump speech. That's like, oh, well, Communi- you got to listen. If you want to improve communication, mm-hmm. you got to listen better. You got to listen better. But talking better, communicating better is is really important too. I mean, when you think about how you deliver the message you're trying to deliver, that that's so important and you know, where have you seen maybe some ways that people have it doesn't matter how well the listener was listening communication failed because of the deliverer, the sender of the message. And that happens all the time because sometimes I feel like people aren't communicating in the way that they need to communicate to get their point across. And to your point, for example, in the 1960s, when there was that fear of nuclear war between the United States and the Soviet Union, you know, the red phones were installed on the the desks of the the president and the premier. And the idea was if there's an emergency, you just pick up that red phone to call the other one so that we can communicate and stop some misunderstandings and problems from happening. But if you got just dead air on each side because the other guy's trying to listen, you got problems there because you got to speak too. Right. Or the way you're saying it, it's like, okay, they should have known that. I've I said that. Oh, assumptions. Well, is what you said clear? Mm-hmm. Did what you say communicate what you intended? And we always talk about there's three messages in every time of communication. There's the message being sent, the actual words. There's the message in the head of the sender. And then there's the message the receiver hears. And the goal in communication is try to get those three messages to be as similar as possible. But what you bring into the conversation affects how you say it and how you hear it. And so the message sent isn't always message received. But today we want to talk about ways to help you send the message you intend to send 
effectively. And Brian, I know you like that Simon Sinek quote, communication is not about saying what we think. Communication is about ensuring others hear what we mean. And and that's huge. You need to get your message across. And also God cares a great deal about how you talk to each other in general, but definitely in the context of that marriage relationship as husband and wife. So what we want you to start practicing, what we think will help you thrive in your marriage, is we want you to speak in a way that your spouse wants to listen to you. Yes. If a person is always ranting, always screaming, perhaps always using profanity, and that's something that's offensive, or always using jargon, always talking down, those types of things, it doesn't matter what you say, that's going to stop communication before it even begins. So, And sometimes you got to fix yourself on that, develop better habits. If you want a better marriage, if you want better communication in your marriage, it's going to be learning how you can be better. And Mm -hmm. that's something that's important. What we don't want is you to take this podcast and say, hey, you need to listen to this podcast to your spouse. No, you, the person listening right now, you need to listen to this podcast and you need to develop the skills to speak in a way that your spouse wants to listen to you. So how do you start with yourself? And it's not about, like Brian said, giving this podcast to your spouse and say, hey, Harvey's nailed you right there. You got to change what you're doing. Well, how can you, as the person who's listening to us the first time around, change what you're doing? And what we say is always going to be a result of what's in our heart. And Jesus talks about that in Matthew's gospel. Yeah, in chapter 12, starting at the second half of verse 34, Jesus says, For the mouth speaks from what fills the heart. The good person brings good things out of his good treasury, and the evil person brings evil things out of his treasury. And look, we all wrestle with our flesh, sin, sinful nature, depending on your translation of the Bible. We all have to overcome that. Our last podcast, we talked about the greatest barrier to listening well is sin. The greatest barrier to speaking well is sin. We have our own struggles. We're selfish. We want what we want. We want to control. Praise God that Jesus died for us and we have the ability to overcome that sin in us, but we need to do the hard work. We need to develop the virtues. We need to develop the character of Christ that the Holy Spirit is building in us to be able to send that message that is loving and clear and going to ultimately lead to a thriving marriage. And we've talked about how people are responding is what's coming out of your heart. And we see that probably the most colorfully in different sporting stadiums. So we see Fans, if the if they like what the referee's doing, they're cheering, they're shouting, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> or if they they don't like a call that a ref made, like it, love it or hate it, wh- whether they were accurate or not in in making that call, you're going to hear the boos and and whatnot. Well, and I was just thinking. Um, so we're recording this um, not too long after the baseball season started, and our son we've talked about is a big baseball fan. We were. Not We did not go to the home opener for the Tigers, but we're Detroit Tigers fans. When I picked up my son from school, had the radio on, we were listening to the game. The Tigers were down to the White Sox. It's like, ah, the White Sox. Ugh. So we were frustrated, but we're listening to it. 
And then we had to go run an errand. When we get back in the car, we get in and one of our favorite players, hometown boy from the suburbs of Detroit, Eric Haas, hits a home run and ties up the game in the bottom of the ninth. And Jonathan and I are excited in the car. And we're driving home and, and we get out of the car and we open the door and we announce to Jen and Brenda, we're watching the Tigers game. And we run downstairs and get the ESPN app open so we can watch it. And we see the last play and Javier Baez hits the ball. It goes off the wall. It's not caught. It was an exciting play. And immediately when we saw that, I throw my hands up in the air behind me and Jonathan gives me fives. It wasn't something that we thought about. It was communication out of our hearts, out of the overflow of the excitement because we're fans of our team. And it just completely, there was no conscious thought. It it completely surpassed the cerebellum and just went straight into action from the excitement. And that's what happens to all of us. And And cheering you know, just for, for your teams and even then booing uh, against the, the other team and the officials when they make a bad call or call against your team, that's fine. But we don't want to have that kind of booing to our spouse in marriage. Although I will say if I come home and you decide to cheer for me or do the wave, I'm down with that. Noted, duly noted. The kids will be practicing the wave when we get home. Fantastic. Get the cat involved, too. I want to see that. Um, yeah, that might be a little painful. Those claws are sharp. But <laughs> Body really, surfing with the cat. Go ahead, Brian. James, in his letter, says, for we all stumble in many ways. If someone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect individual. Think about that for a second. Someone who is able to not stumble in what they say is a perfect individual, able to control the entire body as well. And we want to help you develop skills that are going to help you be able to control the entire body, to stumble less Mm -hmm. in what you say. And the first thing is we need to, as Paul says, work out our own salvation in fear and trembling. We need to develop the virtues and character of Christ. And there's a couple ways that we want to share with you that help you destroy any evil treasury that's in your heart and replace it with a good godly treasury so that what comes out of your mouth is from that godliness stored up in your heart. And that's an important thing to do. And I think that what James is saying, of course, our perfect individual to look at is Jesus. And he did not stumble in what he said. He was able to control the entire body. And that's not for us as Christians to dismiss and say, well, that's Jesus. That's not me, because it is our call to grow into holiness, grow into what Christ has called us to be, and that's to be more like him. And as you're saying, Brian, for us to be able to do that, there are some spiritual disciplines that we have. That's prayer, that's scripture reading, meditation, worship. These are some of those fundamentals, because like we were talking about when it comes to our son in Little League Baseball or the pros, they've got to get to those fundamentals so that they're able to go forward. So to to take this to heart, don't dismiss this. Really get into that prayer, scripture reading, meditation, worship. How are you able to incorporate those into your days, into your weeks, into those moments as each day goes by? My favorite definition of training comes from John Ortberg in his book, The Life You've Always Wanted. And what he says is training 
is doing what you can do today so that you can do tomorrow what you can't do today. Prayer, scripture reading, meditation, worship, fasting, um, solitude, silence, all these different disciplines, what they do is they are training your body, your heart, and your mind to overcome the sinfulness, the flesh that you have and developing those virtues and characters. So it becomes a natural way for you to communicate in a way that is loving and you're going to be sending the right message. But with that, there's other things that we want to focus on that are more external. The prayer, the spiritual disciplines are internal, transforming your heart, taking every thought captive, making you the person God created you to be so you can communicate that. But there are external skills, what you do, that are going to have a significant impact. And these things you can start today, using these today, communication in your marriage will improve. And the first is think about your tone. In Proverbs Mm -hmm. 15, a gentle voice or a gentle response turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. And there you go. You can't untoast the toast. You can't say unsay the words. We referenced that Rough Ruffman show there because Brian could be rocking out with drumsticks with you can't, you can't untoast un- the toast. See, you that just happened. Toast. Sorry. <laughs> and, and it's important uh, also that with that tone of voice, we are using that right tone. And shout out to my girlfriend, June. She talks about using the butter voice. And you might think, oh, well, that sounds like that would be something really smooth and nice that you'd want to deal with. And it is. But it also goes to what she said about if you're sitting at the dinner table and you say, could you please pass the butter? I'm not getting angry. I'm not getting excited. I'm not getting mousy. I'm just saying that in just a kind way because I'm requesting that the butter be passed to me. I think of that story when June shares that and talk about that. I think of my great-grandmother. And again, my family's from the South. So I've got Mama D is my grandmother and Mama was my great-grandmother. And this- Hashtag Mama memes. This woman was a powerhouse that I never saw get out of her chair my whole life. But no one ever said anything bad or anything negative in Mama's house. And I'm not sure what happened. I think perhaps just like the people who were trying to take over Israel in Exodus and Numbers, and the ground opened up, and they were sucked into the ground. I think if you weren't kind in Mama's house, the ground would open up and you'd get sucked in. But there is no way you would ask Mama or anyone in her house, pass the butter. It was, you used kind, hey, would you please pass the butter? Or you just didn't eat butter. That, But that's really, please pass the butter, being kind and considerate and loving in how you say the words and the sense the timbre for my musicians out there, the timbre of your voice, how your voice sounds. And being able to have that accountability of knowing that that is what you do. This is how we speak in our marriage. This is how we speak in our household. And that's going to make a huge difference to you and to your spouse and your marriage. And what you're physically doing affects what you're saying and affects your message, your body language is huge. So when you are frustrated about something, are you standing with your fists clenched, leaning over your spouse as they're sitting on the couch? Or are you 
hey, I need to talk to you for a second and sitting down next to them or pulling up the footstool and sitting down and getting eye level with them? Are you intentionally trying to physically lord over them? Or are you sitting in a situation and they come in and you can tell they're frustrated, upset, and you kick your feet up on the coffee table and lean back with your hands behind your head in that power move of you, what you say really is important because I'm in charge. You know? Absolutely. And, and that's something, too. You want to make sure that you're, you and your spouse are on that kind of equal footing when you're having a conversation like that and you're speaking to them. And I think it's neat because, Brian, you've told us a story about someone that you've worked with in the Air Guard who's a pilot really big guy to the extent that call he's sign called, tree. Yeah. We, we call him tree because he's that big of a guy. And it sounds like he could be intimidating, not because of anything, but just his height and his stature and his presence compared to others. And then he was able to really mitigate that so that he could communicate without being intimidating. And how did he do it? But he was aware of his size and he'd experienced while people respond differently. So he usually communicated from a seating position. Mm. He was sat down so that he wasn't lording over people. But also, it's not just lording over, but also your body language that you care. It should be open. If you're crossing your arms, if you're crossing, if you're turning away defensive while you're moves. speaking, then that's going to be another issue that you what you say is not going to communicate necessarily what you want to say. Be aware of how your physicality affects what you're saying. And sometimes it can make sense to take your spouse's hand and and touch their hand, hold their hand, depending on the context of what the conversation is to show more unity in reaching out to your spouse. That's a great point, yeah. And sometimes, too, when we're having our, our tough conversations, it's important to remember the purpose of what that conversation, and that should always be to strengthen your marriage and to build that kind of closeness. And if you know me, you know what my all-time favorite TV show is, The Golden Girls, and uh, that's something that our, our character uh, Blanche uh, said, Rue McClanahan played her, and and she was saying, when you're having a conflict with a friend, you got to make sure that when you're going to sit down and talk with them, that you want to make sure that you're growing that relationship and that it's going to draw you closer together and not push you farther apart. And that's so important, sweetheart. When you guys are having a conversation, what is your goal? What is the intent? What's the expected outcome of that? And if your expected outcome is you're going to fix your spouse or then you've already failed before you even started. Mm -hmm. Your expected outcome should always be the purpose of this, of this conversation is for us to grow and have a stronger relationship. Sometimes you have to have that awkward conversation. That awkward conversation is necessary, but if you're walking into that conversation with the sense of I'm going to fix something or I'm going to blow something up or I'm going to solve a problem on my own, that's not successful. Every tough conversation you have, the ultimate goal isn't the problem of the moment. It's a lifetime of a thriving marriage. And another thing, too, is this 
bothers me when people will say, well, you know, I just had to get this off my chest. It's like, oh my goodness, the last thing you want to do is unload onto your spouse. And there might be something that you have that you've been carrying that you need to express to your spouse, but it's not about unloading. And I know, Brian, we we saw you probably more involuntarily than me because it was on <laughs> HTV. We were sh- seeing a show that was talking about pools and the people there were used to working with this kind of, I think it was more of a sandstone rock where if the rock got dumped off, it they would break into a cabillion pieces, but there was a different kind of rock that was being used where these rocks could just be dropped all over the place and they weren't going to shatter because they were a lot stronger. What I really would encourage you to think about when you've got something that you need to share, you can get it off your chest and that's just throwing it onto into the person's lap. This is yours. Think of someone that's just angry fine and they throw down the magazine or throw whatever it is and I'm throwing this at you. Like okay. the sandstone breaking into a cabillion yeah. pieces. I'm throwing this or it's like, hey, this is something that is really important to me and I need you to hold this for me and help me carry it. Mm-hmm. You no, know, so rather than throwing it in someone's lap, hey, oh, here's your phone, here's whatever it is and you throw it at them. Hey, would you please help me carry this? And have that imagery of like, I mean, your heart, you don't want to just throw what's ever on your chest into your spouse's face, but hey, this is my heart. This is something that's important. Would you please help me carry this? Absolutely. And that that's something that is there then to bring you closer together because something's on your heart. You trust your spouse and you agree to allow your spouse to bear your burden as we are called to bear one another's burdens. And that's the difference between getting things off. You could getting off things off your chest. That's wrong. But also you don't want to hold everything into you and store up those negative feelings. You need to bring that out. And whatever you're going through, the only way through it is through it. Mm-hmm. Um, in BMT, the TI is okay. Air Force words. At basic military training, the training instructors would yell at us and we'd get all flustered and upset. And then when we were just about to break, they would tell us the fastest way out of here is to graduate. The only way out is through because if we didn't get this right, they were just going to recycle us and we had just had to stay in BMT two weeks longer to learn that skill. If we tried to get out on some sort of medical thing, then we were sent to a different squadron and it took months to process the paperwork. The fastest way to graduate basic training or fast way out of basic training was to graduate. The only way out of whatever you're dealing with with your, each other is through it together. And you fail together and you graduate together in marriage. Thank you so much for listening to the Operation Thriving Marriage podcast. Uh, we know that improving communication in your marriage is going to take your marriage out of surviving into thriving. We know that if you speak in a way your spouse wants to listen to you, then they will hear what you have to say and trust them and be humble enough to let them bear that with you. And then listen in a way that your spouse wants to speak to you. And then they will share what's going on. And together, you will have a thriving marriage. And here's what we want to speak to you about. Please make sure that you're following us on your favorite podcast platforms. Make sure to rate us. 
Tell your friends about us and share this podcast with them. Thank you and God bless. We wrote the book Operation Thriving Marriage to help couples build thriving marriages. We also want to be able to help you through our coaching ministry. You can reach us and book your coaching session at OperationThrivingMarriage.com. And pastors and churches, we're happy to serve you and the couples in your churches. We're happy to come out and meet you in person. And we offer conferences, retreats, seminars, and classes. Visit us at OperationThrivingMarriage.com to learn more.